Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Ricky. And this is Season 3, Episode 16 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Should come out on October 5th, 2020. It is officially spooky season. Um, you know, so it's it's time for all the Halloween stuff and the pumpkin stuff and the pumpkin spice. And we're not going to talk about any of that right now. Maybe, maybe I guess, cider, sizer is kind of um, in that realm of things that you could talk about. Um, but let's, let's start with, uh, the sizer that I made, um, over the break. Well, I guess it was right towards the end of when we were, uh, making stuff. So this is, um, just, a uh, Mott's apple juice, honey, and, um, I think I put some, uh, brown sugar in it. Uh, let me look at the recipe real quick. Yeah. Two pounds of like brown sugar or raisins yeah. or something. Two, two pounds of wildflower honey, um, two gallons of apple juice Mott's, uh, two containers of apple juice concentrate, a um, little bit of raisins, one cup of light brown sugar. Um, and then I added some oak spirals to the, um, to, to the uh, secondary. Um, so you've taken a taste. What do you think? Yeah, it's not too bad. You know, it's not um, resonating with me as much as the spice one did, but it's hard when there's no like spices to like, fight against the stuff that does have spices right like that's why we use them so much but it's pretty good i will say one of the things i do like is you know you, you tend to put in like the raisins for mouthfeel that mouthfeel is there but because there's so much other you know stuff missing compared to like the spice ones you can actually like taste the raisins fairly well in this like you can just taste just from this tip that there's a much like darker fruit in there with it yeah so um it, this one ended up being uh 11.8 percent abv um, I used uh, Lawthen BM four by four. Oh no, I used Safe Cider um, for for this. So um, it not it ended up being fairly respectable. I think I like the Safe Cider yeast for my apple stuff better than I do some of the other um, yeast strains that that are out yeah. there. Just something about it makes it more. Um, fruity like the it lends to that fruity kind of flavor yeah well it's got some of those like nice little like fruity floral notes with it um it, it's a good one it's one of the ones that i use for all of my lower abv stuff don't generally use it for the higher abv I mean, it performs well mm -hmm. um it didn't get stressed which was nice um this is this is one of those that that i did and um I didn't really have to do anything else. You know, it got to around 12% ABV pretty easily. And that cup of light brown sugar, it just gives like a little bit of a molasses taste. Mm -hmm. um, but it went down to um, uh, one, you know, like completely dry when it, when it's, it doesn't really, it's a dry wine, but it doesn't really feel dry yeah. with the way that molasses flavor in it. Well, yeah, so. and, and one's respectable, you know. Like most alcohols, when they go dry, will get sub one. So like one has a little bit of sugar still left in it, which I think mm -hmm. is good. Yeah, it's it, it the older it's get gotten. So um, over the last month, it went from having like a really sharp wood flavor to it, the <laughs> oakiness of the spiral. That's kind of mellowed out. Um, yeah, so it it's, has. It's it's very it's very nice. Um, I'm I'm interested. I've got one bottle of this that I'm just going to save for like a year, and then I'm going to see how it ends up 
tasting. We may do it on the podcast, but this is the first one of my, um, my Apple things that doesn't immediately have like a sharp, almost like biting kind of taste to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I kind of like that. I like the way that turned out. Um, I was a little nervous about this one cause I was kind of thinking, man, this is, this is not as good as the other stuff that I've done, but, um, it's, it's gotten better since I gave it to you. Like in the three weeks mm-hmm. since I gave it to you, it's actually gotten better. Yeah. Well, I mean, the aging really helps anything in this range. And another thing that probably like hit off really well for you is having, some of these other sugars in there and not going quite completely dry, you know, with apple stuff, what generally gets you with that, like really strong punch is just the acidity. Um, but anything that you can use to mellow that, like, even though like sugar is acidic because the different acid, they blend together better. Mm-hmm. And it, it really helps out a lot. I've saved some when I was like really young and made some really not great stuff. I saved some batches using like um, acid blends, which are generally just like various citric acids mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it can really mellow stuff out because even though it's still acidic, like the pH hasn't changed that much. Just something about the slightly different flavor profiles of them make them way less harsh in the tongue. Well, let's talk about making banana wine, which we actually kind of talked about a little bit before, Yeah. <laughs> before, before we were uh, on the podcast when we were just kind of goofing off and, and talking before, before we got on here and recording. Um, so I made a, a banana wine and, um, you know, the, the basic um, idea of it is it uh, so I started on the September 12th it's only a it's not even quite a month old um, but the basic idea is that I was gonna put like you know a ton of bananas in a one gallon batch so I put it in like a two gallon bucket fermenter I put it in with a little bit of white sugar and some brown sugar to give it a molasses taste but also you know bump up the abv a bit put a little bit of raisins in it i also put some yeast holes and some you know one of my first forays into adding some yeast nutrient to see how that kind of helps um but it went it, it went dry and uh then i added a pound of brown sugar and pectic enzyme when i took the um the uh uh, bananas out mm-hmm. um, about two weeks ago uh, and it smells wonderful it smells great um, at this point if it goes dry again it'll be uh, about 16 percent ABV which I think is pers- respectable I I'd use the BM 4x4 um, Lalvin yeast mm-hmm. because it's been like it did some really good like I was talking to you about the uh, fruit punch mead that yeah, I made yeah and how like it, it kind of did some good stuff there. So I used it there. Um, the only thing that I'm a little bit worried about is um, I had to do a lot right at, right after I pulled the banana stuff out to, uh, even though I had everything sanitized and everything, I'm worried about the like, oxygen, oxygenization of the, of the must. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even though it's still basically a primary ferment at this mm-hmm. point, um, to get the the bananas out and get the juice out of them that they had kind of absorbed yeah. um i had to really like manhandle them for a little bit in the brew bag so i'm worried that i might have introduced some more oxygen in there um but it's still a primary for t- fermentation so yeah um, i mean we'll I, I understand what you're saying but i wouldn't get worried about it because one of the things that like is why you don't have to worry about it as much in primary is what basically oxidates wine 
and either kind of gives it that cardboard taste if it goes all the way and turn to vinegar is other bacteria in there that are just not as strong as the yeast so like the yeast is going to beat it out for food and those other bacteria just kind of like eat air so like even if you know you've put a little bit extra oxygen as long as your yeast are still going they're just going to beat them out you know it's almost like an immune system right yeah. like if your white blood cells are doing everything right and some little small thing gets in they'll just clear it right up you'll never even notice well, it's also, only like kind of that side down it's already like it like um before i put the the brown sugar in, it was like at 13 or 14 percent abv yeah um so i'm not like I, that should be over the tolerance of the bacteria that creates vinegar i believe i think that stuff starts to kind of have trouble creating vinegar around 10 percent um if i understood correctly maybe i thought it was like around 20 because i know you can get like fortified wines that still spoil but i mean again it's it's almost well, a moot point i'm not saying that, they, that you can't spoil you can still have weird stuff happening but i'm talking about turning to vinegar specifically not not spoil just overall like get the weird tastes and oxygenize and stuff like that um, yeah I well i think it's it. the same it's probably not the same bacteria but it's like the same class but you're right like vinegar probably stops a lot earlier than just general like degradation but yeah so the banana wine it's um I, I you know full disclosure i saw some other youtuber people that were doing this is what gave me the idea uh specifically the city steading uh people they um they like kind of made like this banana wine and they said it tasted like bananas foster and so we had tried a banana wine there's a banana mead mm -hmm. um is that four years ago now? Is that how long ago it's been? Has it been that no, long? No, it hasn't been that bad. We were still drinking it after my kid was born. So, but it's, it's probably been like two and a half years. Well, so it, I've, I've lived here for right at two years. Um, and it was not one of the last wines we made at the when we lived at that old, the apartment that we lived at. I thought it was because I'd already packed up all my big batch stuff, which is why we made like one of the very few like one and a half, two gallon things that we made. I, we did that at the same time that we tried to make just like the pure sugar alcohol. Um, that was like three or four months after that experiment. That my was, kid was born by then. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know Delilah was born. Um, yeah. And she just turned three like a month or two ago. But it, it had to be, so it had to be like three years ago then, like right at three years ago, like right after she was born. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it may it may be like two two and three quarters year, you know, or something like that. But it's it's yeah. pretty close. To, it has to be like pretty close to three years ago, because it was it was I, I guess it was one of the last ones that we made over there. It was it was after we made the graham cracker thing that mm -hmm. didn't go that shot up to the roof and yeah. exploded and stuff. That was <laughs> that was fun, um, uh, but anyway, so you know that. Um, that that uh, 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 wine wasn't as banana-y as we wanted it to be, right? Yeah. But we put like eight or nine bananas in it, right? Yeah, we kind of just tried to use it as like a flavoring for the standard meat that we, we generally made. Right. So, but this time, um, what I did was I put like three pounds plus. It was like 24 single mm -hmm. bananas. I like cut them up and I had some that I'd like frozen and then mashed to make sure that the sugars broke up and like i put the the banana peels in i didn't just put the the fruit in I like put all that stuff in there and i just mushed it up really good and then dropped it down inside the bag um and that was um 
that was fairly successful. Um, so I'm, I was pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. it's interesting to see. I'm actually really excited for that because that's that's more than I've ever read to use from somewhere. But at the same time, that is how you make alcohols out of other things that don't have readily available sugars like rice. Yeah, that is that is that is true. So we'll see how it goes. So far, it's um, it's going. It does have a bit of a sulfury smell from the uh, yeast nutrient that I put in there. So I'm I'm not I'm going back and forth on the yeast nutrient thing. On one hand, I've seen some evidence that it really does expedite the fermentation process. Like you get to high alcohols fairly quickly, but the yeast tend to. It seems like they get stressed during that process uh, because none of my other there's a lot of other things like I've gotten young wine, um, you know, flavors and things like that that I've had that have kind of been off, had a few uh, a, initial alcohol um, experiments that were too high, too much sugar, mm-hmm. and it just kind of the, the yeast stuck and they just wouldn't go. Um, the yeast holes, though, seem to help a whole lot. And I know that a lot of yeast nutrients is yeast holes plus other things. So mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. it's like a we'll vitamin see, we'll yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just uh, I'm not sure where I stand on that. And maybe maybe I need to play with the amount instead of giving it the recommended dose. Maybe I give it half or something like that. Yeah, that actually is something I generally do. I don't throw all of it in. I just haven't found it necessary. Yeah, I am. But I am. I'm looking forward to the banana wine. It smells with the the um, the brown sugar in there. It smells so much like some sort of banana dessert it just mm-hmm. um it's gonna it, it i think it's gonna be delicious once it ages and everything so let's talk about the rtx 3080 3090 controversy that came up i guess it's been a couple of weeks now um but it's the uh basically there was uh, a problem where or there is still a problem where some of the boards or most of the boards when they get to a certain point or a certain power draw uh, from some um, different uh, you know power supply manufacturers and motherboard manufacturers um, they'll crash and they'll cause crashes to desktop have you heard about this a little bit. I don't know too much about it but I have seen a news article or two of some people are upset about it and some theories about what's causing it yeah so the basically my understanding of it is it it's not happening necessarily as much with the reference cards mm-hmm. um and i could be a little bit wrong about that so you know um, well, that's the same thing i heard too that it's, it's yeah. some of the like partner cards are having issues right it might be related to like cheap parts that are being used could be capacitor issues uh but like uh, linus tech tips i saw them like talking about it and they had had a, a card that like had an issue and then once it had crashed uh, they were able to to recover it and get it to work in a different motherboard with a different power supply and their idea was that it was the power delivery like it's not getting the amount of power delivery that it needs and so oh, maybe, when it can't yeah. pull that it's causing it to crash and then it causes everything um that like any games that you're playing or application that you're using that's that's needing that power to fall to to crash the desktop. So it's not the amount like it it can happen on a fifteen hundred power what you know um, power supply. It's the amount that that rail can send to it from a yeah. from a power supply. 
Um, I don't, of course I don't have one. I'm not, I'm, I'm not probably ever going to own a 3080 or a 3090. I may, I may, if, if I'm able to find one for a decent price, get a 3080. Um, I mean, I've got, I've got a 2070. I'm pretty ha happy with that. I'm, I might, if the price goes down, get a 2080 TI, but you know, we had talked about this last time, how, you know, I was really happy about this and the, the, the price of these cards being lower. Um, I'm really hoping that this doesn't do something where it makes the old cards keep their value because these cards have some problems Yeah. because the, the value of the old cards is fairly ridiculous. Like two, almost $2,000 for some of the 2080 TI supers is just, yeah, they were nuts. Nuts. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we'll keep looking at it and, and seeing what say. If I ever get my hands on a 3080, uh, I'd love to do some experiments with, um, you know, some different power supplies to yeah. see actually what happens with that. Well, I feel like what you're saying is that if you get lucky, you can find a 3080 that someone thinks is broken on <laughs> eBay and then get it on a different board and it might work. It might. It, that, well, that is true that it might, uh, if you put it on a different power supply and a different board. Yep. I'm not sure that I would trust any of my, most of my power supplies are four years old now. Some of them are even older, like six. Mm. I'm not sure that I would trust them to run a high power card like that, but I don't know. It seemed to do fine with my 2070 and, but it's, I mean, it doesn't pull as many Watts as the 3080. So I don't know. So let's talk about Microsoft buying Zenimax. What do you think yeah, about that? I'm very excited for it. I think it's a good thing. Okay, so why do you think it's a good thing? I'm going to play the devil's advocate okay. and take the stance that it's a bad thing. Here's the thing. And, you know, there's, there's good and bad elements to it. I firmly believe, looking at the last couple of releases from Bethesda and some of the other, like, botches, especially, like, Zenimax, the publishers had who's trying to support developers, is they have just not transitioned to a more modern software development mindset. Like, you can backdate these stuff in, like, the Elder Scrolls. Like, it's someone who has been modding the Elder Scrolls since Morrowind and, like, every expansion. There are issues that are, like, inherent to these engines that just, like, keep getting ignored because they keep just piling stuff on top of each other. They're not going back and doing the refactoring. You know, the fact that things like Skyrim, you're releasing a mod, the unofficial patch, that's been out from the original game for eight years now, that has bug fixes that's still not been moved actually into the game. Like, you know, someone fixed this problem for you and released it to the community, but you can't take the time to port it over into the actual game. And then all the other mismanagement stuff that happened with, you know, 76, and even some of that stuff in Fallout 4. I think there's like potential for Microsoft as the much bigger company to like integrate and dissolve in things in ways I don't like. But I did think they need to shake up in who is running them in terms of like getting their products to be better. So let's suppose that from a, from a standpoint, because really we agree on this, um, but from the standpoint that I'm taking, you know, I don't, I don't agree that it's a good thing, but I don't agree because I necessarily disagree on those points. So I actually think that those points are good points. However, I believe that the harm that Microsoft owning uh, Bethesda and all the other gaming companies that it's kind of pulled in mm -hmm. and how it's going to take them away from being able to, you know, independently work on things um, 
separate without some sort of corporate corporate overlord who's going to push DLC and, you know, things like that. Uh, I mean, look at what happened with, uh, you know, the Halo franchise yeah. uh, and Microsoft, you know, piloting that um, and some of the other things, you know, getting rid of um, uh, some of the uh, original studios, uh, moving them over to other ones. And, you know, Microsoft bought Obsidian um, and, yeah, we might be able to see an Obsidian, uh, you know, Bethesda title again, you know, like a, a Fallout title from Obsidian or something like that again. But the things that made those studios great was their independence. And now they're becoming more homogenized. Uh, and I think that all the, you know, modern dev, dev mindset and everything like that, that's all great. Um, but we still play the hell out of those games, you know. Even Fallout 76, as much of a cluster as that was, uh, Fallout Shelter, um, you know, Skyrim on the Switch, Skyrim Special Edition, um, Fallout 76, those were all, like, really great games. And if you take the soul away from what was making those the great games that they were, uh, I, I'm not even saying, I mean, Fallout 76, the least of those. But if you take it for what it is, not what we wanted it to be, right? It's still a really good game. Like, as far as like a, it's better, it's better in my mind than some of the other survival games, like post-apocalyptic survival games that you get out there where you have to go around and they're like kind of MMO style games. It's better than most of those. Um, so take that for what it is, but you know, it's got some good perks to it. It's not all bad. And there are people who really love it. Like, um, I know that our, our, you know, my manager that's over us, um, he loves that game. He thinks it's great. Um, and, uh, he goes in and, and plays it every night for like an hour to just kind of chill out. It's his, you know, going and chilling game. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that some of the soul is probably going to be lost of, from from these games because that's kind of what happens when you have like these sort of you know first party um game titles and and i mean think about this it's it's they're probably all gonna all their future titles are going to be xbox exclusives um which is going to be problematic right right um, so i'm not sure from that standpoint i'm not sure that it's a good thing that uh that, that we're going to be getting a more homogenized corporate bethesda and zenimax and i mean think about the elder scrolls online you know too so yeah yeah it, it's interesting i mean those are definitely points that could go wrong i i'll say apart from you know the halo devs changing which was the halo devs decision if i remember correctly they didn't want to work on halo anymore Microsoft has had a much better track record with their acquired studios than a lot of the other big companies. Like Sea of Thieves came out under them that was, they were like a completely hands-off project. You know, back in the, the old days, I still remember like Lionhead that got acquired and then how like bad the Fable games turned out. But that was, that was a pretty long time ago. They've been a lot better, even really just in the last like almost decade. Like most of their, their practices have been a little bit nicer. Like Obsidian didn't seem to move. Now Obsidian, I think, is also a bad case. I think they were like going under. They just didn't have yeah, the money, were, so yeah. it was good for them to acquire there. Bethesda was probably the place that had the money, 
But my concern is like, even before going to Microsoft, we did talks about this, I think on like last season's podcast, they were really jumping in to these DLC things again, all this talk about like, well, the mods will be paid. So I feel like that was already the direction when we're talking specifically about Bethesda. And, you know, I think there's a discussion of is that Bethesda doing that or Zenimax doing that. But they're already heading that direction. So I'm hoping with better, more secured funding, we can get more things like CFC from these studios than, you know, I don't know. I was nervous about, I think, what, what is it, Starfield is their next one? Um, something like that? I believe that's an Obsidian one. Oh, really? I thought that was Bethesda doing that. And then they were going to work on... I think I thought they weren't even working on the Elder Scrolls one yet. I thought they were finishing that game up first. Well, let me look. Game titles. Yeah, um, Starfield. Who's making Starfield? Yeah, Starfield is Bethesda. Okay. Yep, Starfield is their next one. Um, so yeah, it's it was um, outer. Uh, what the was outer rims, as you were thinking outer about. Rims, yeah. 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 Which is a fantastic game. I got it for Switch, and I've, I've loved, yeah, I love it. Yeah, but I mean, that's another thing. Like, that game turned out really well. I just, he, here's the thing I'll say about the, the, the Obsidian Bethesda stuff. Obsidian has made some of the better Bethesda IP games. But they've been very mistreated, I feel, like by Bethesda in the past. When you see, like, some of the, the, the practices that went on there. The idea that you could get both of them under the same house, working on the same projects again, without maybe as much clashing of upper management could result in some really good games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I yeah. think, I think we, we both actually agree on this, you know, like I, I was just being the devil's advocate. Yeah, know, no, so no. Much. Yeah. You were playing my role in most of these talks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I think ultimately it's probably going to be good. Um, I, I am a little bit, the, th the, 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 you know, being fair all the way around, the thing that I'm the most worried about is that Bethesda is going to become a Microsoft IP that goes the way of something like um, uh, uh, Fable, yeah. which, you know, was uh, never got released on anything else. And so I never like if I didn't if I didn't like the particular console or piece of equipment that they wanted to sell. I had to buy that in order to be able to get that. And like, I don't really want to buy a four or $500 piece of equipment for just one game. Yeah. Well, if it, if it makes you feel better, Bethesda, Microsoft did announce in some conference a while back that all of their Xbox games are going to be on PC. Yes. So I, I know, I know that I'm pretty excited about that. And I think this, you know, you play like a lot of their games on switch because it's so good for travel. And that's like, that could be a sad thing, but yeah. at least it should still all their titles be on pc right. for what that's worth so let's uh let's talk about the facebook accounting of the oculus oh yeah i think how do you feel about that, that? sad because you know i have an oculus i haven't used it in a long time but i wanted to get back into vr and i was looking at their new one the uh, i think that's not the quest maybe it is the quest um, they had a, like a second or third gen one, like the, not the latest one that's about to come out, but the one before it. And that was a wireless that had fairly good performance because you could wire it with a USB 3 cable. And then, you know, that's what their next one was going to be. Their next one was going to be like, look, we've gone forward with that tech. It will be wireless. But if you need like the really heavy games, you can still connect it with just like a single cable to your computer. 
super easy, none of these camera stuff anymore. And I was on board. Like I watched 20 hours of like tech demos and reviews. I was like, this is the one I'm going to get. And they said, but you got along with Facebook. I said, well, I guess I'm done now. Well, my, uh, one of our friends, um, and I don't know if she'd want me to say her name on this or not, but she has one of the first versions of that, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, um, Oculus setup where you didn't have to have the cameras. It just tracked yeah. your hands and everything. And she brought it over and tried it on my, on one of my gaming rigs. And it was, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. But the fact that you have to, you have to log into all of those now with Facebook. Yep, it's a game changer. I'm not going to hook my Oculus back up anymore. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. So, are you thinking about a Vive now? Maybe. I still, I'm not sure I want one until I get like a house and I have like a better space for it. I'm not sure I want one that's like permanently wired and now like I have to put the cameras up in places and stuff like that. It is a lot of hassle. So, if they come up with like, you know, Valve gets me a, a wireless one somewhere that isn't just some like wireless accessory that doesn't work very well, like the previous one then maybe I'll make the jump, but I just don't think I have the space to make like the wired and camera jumps again. Hmm. I, 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 I hate to say it, but you know, the, the Oculus setup was like one of the best. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, the, that's and... kind of the thing like valve or, I mean, they're HTC before, you know, they're the person making it, but it was always the valve. Oh, so, so valve has but... the index and HTC has the vibe. So valve, yeah, valve... yeah. I, Help they, they HTC make the valve, make the vibe, but their valve's actual, like yeah, there's the index. index. Yeah, I just wanted to backdate it because there's a couple of different models that are kind of in the same line of technology. Right. They were always kind of more powerful. They always had the better like specs, but I mean, Facebook really went like the Apple way. They just had the better user experience. Yeah, that's exactly right. But now, right. now they've tied it behind this. Wow. Well, there's already so much fear and like you got these cameras in your house. They're like recording your voice and recording your movement. And now you're going to like, you can't do it anonymously anymore. And they're going to tie it to a person, yep. like to a Facebook account. And, and mine, all of that stuff that you exactly. do in private for data to sell stuff to you. It's going to go into some database that's going to get hacked and spread out over the internet. And then, you know, I mean, just, or eventually going to get sold to your, your boss to see what you're doing in private or like on your lunch break or something like that, you know, yeah. if they approve I mean, of that sort of thing. Here's the thing. Like I, I, I was talking to somebody who said, well, you can always just make a face Facebook account, but you can't. Mm -hmm. Like you can do that. You can absolutely, if you never turn it on until it's on your head, you could make a face Facebook account. You know, I'm Jim Beam or whatever. But as soon as my wife locks in a frame, they've got her picture. They'll find her actual account. Yep. Now they know where, you know, my wife is and then they can say, if well, you have, if you have a real Facebook account, eventually they're going to find a picture of you and tie yeah. those two things together. So they'll know that you're, you're that other person. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, so this is a sad so day. Sad. Yeah. Sad, sad, sadness. <laughs> it's just all the way around such badness. Um, it's uh, it, it is one of the reasons that I never bought one. Like I was tempted and I was just like, no, Facebook is eventually going to screw this pooch and they're going to use it for bad reasons. And I just don't want that. I don't want that at all. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I hate to be like, I told you so, but yeah. Yeah. So, I knew, I mean, I knew they would probably make the jump eventually too. I got it when it was on sale and cause it was the cheaper one. Cause I didn't have as much money at the time. And I was like, well, they're not doing anything crazy with it yet, but now they've made the jump and I just, can't support that moving forward. Yeah. So when I get my HTC Vive or my um, index, index, which I'm probably going to get the index, when I get that eventually, I'll put it up in the guest room and then uh, mm -hmm. you know, 
you can come over and check it out once once the whole covid thing's over yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see where um, that goes yeah so um i guess that's the end of this episode <laughs> we're leaving we're leaving on a down note <laughs> well check out the banana wine later when we come back and talk about it at some point in time or the pie or the fruit punch pie mint that i mm-hmm. i made that'll probably be in a couple episodes and probably i think it's good enough now even though it's still very young that you could drink it and be happy with it i actually think you'd probably like it based off right. of uh yeah, how much you like the other one found it really good yeah so um well i mean in that case this has been season three episode 16 of the beer and broadband podcast thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time